Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. And now inside the huddle with us today and ready to talk about how to move the ball is a very special guest, Liza Huber. Now, Liza is an entrepreneur, an award-winning cookbook author, a wife, a mom of four, and the CEO and founder of Sage Spoonfuls. And Liza is, she's just a superstar. She's been featured in so many different places, in magazines, on television. She's been featured on Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, Good Day New York, and in Forbes.com's Female Entrepreneurs Rocking the World Series, just as a few examples. And so I could go on and on about Liza's bio, but I'm sure you would like to hear from her. And I know from today's show, you're just going to see how amazing this woman is. So Liza, welcome to the show. Jen, thank you so much. And what a lovely intro. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I was really looking forward to having our conversation on the show because you've accomplished so much in your life. And I think you have great perspectives that you can share with our listeners, both in terms of your professional career as well as personally. And so I'm really excited to, to have our chat today. Me too. So I want to start off with something that I didn't talk about in your bio, which is your acting career. And so tell us a little bit about how you got into acting, your, your life as an actress. You know, a lot of my prior guests have been professional sports athletes. Um, and something that I think is common in the athletic arena as well as in the uh, entertainment industry is how competitive it is and the need to really have mental toughness in both of those professions. So share with us a little bit about your background in the acting world and perhaps the situation where you had to be mentally strong. Sure. Well, in my former life, I was a soap star. I was, um, for 10 years, I played Gwen Hotchkiss on NBC's Passions. I was the, the scorned, blonde woman whose husband was just constantly cheating on her for 10 years. And she was just fighting. And oh gosh, Lindsay Hartley and I, who played um, Teresa in our love triangle, we just used to laugh and laugh. We just fake strangled and fake pulled each other's hair for 10 years. And she's still a dear friend today. And we still laugh about those moments. But yeah, so I was, I was an actor for 10 years in my early 20s until my early 30s. And it was some of the most fun times of my life. Because when the show started, we were all so, so young. I think I was 22. I mean, some of it was 19 and 24 and we were all single and just having so much fun. And then by the time the show was finished, we had all gotten married and started having families. So we all kind of grew up together and um, really some of the best years of my life for sure. But I mean, my goodness, talk about rejection. You know, the acting world is so, so similar to the business world. I mean, and, and, and you're told no a lot. I mean, audition after audition after audition. And look, you could be, you could not get the part for anything from you just sucked to you were great, but you look like the producer's ex-wife. So that can't happen. <laughs> you know, it can be a million and one different reasons, but um, you definitely... I was not born with a thick skin. I used to be so sensitive, so very sensitive. And so um, 
you know, going through the audition process definitely helped to thicken my skin a little bit for sure. And you know what, once you realize that everyone's going through it, it's not just you, it does make it a little bit easier, that it really is just part of the process. And how do you keep yourself motivated after you had an audition and you were rejected for one reason or another and you didn't get the part that you wanted? So I was super young and the way I would handle it then is certainly very different than the way I, you know, handle rejection now in my forties. I used to take it very personally, but I've always been someone who does it anyway, who just always goes for it anyway, regardless of how I feel. And I think that's one of my greatest strengths. I may feel like totally horrible and having had the rejection, but my drive is just, I, I do I have really like really strong drive. And so I've always pushed through. And even if I was just given the most horrendous feedback at an audition, it never stopped me from going again. So I I would do it scared. I would do it feeling horrible. I would just do it. I I didn't get past it. I just did it. (laughs) I, I went in feeling horrible from the past audition, but just knowing that I am a good actress and you know, this is not an easy business and I'm just going to kind of go through this process feeling terrible because I know that eventually I'm going to hit something. So you mentioned that you would handle rejection differently in your forties now. So how would you handle rejection today? Well, rejection now is different, right? Cause it's, it's, it's business. It's on, you know, but I would, I mean, I guess it's all the same. Rejection is rejection. I don't take rejection personally. Business is business. And you just keep going and you realize there's a thousand different reasons why someone can be rejected. And also, you know, in those 20 years, you know, since I was an actor, I mean, or or starting on Passions, I've got to say some of the very best things that have ever happened to me, both personally and professionally, have come out of rejection or very difficult circumstances. So my view now is, okay, this seems terrible on the surface, but I look back historically and something really awesome is going to happen because of it. So it's life experience, life experience, you know? Yes. No, I I truly believe that everything happens in our lives for a reason, even if it's not fun and it could be a rejection or some other unpleasant event. And there's always good things that come about from it. And one thing that I, I like to tell people, someone just asked me yesterday about how do you deal with rejection? And I said, you know, if someone tells you no, it just means that they're not meant to be on your journey with you but you keep going. Very true. And and I'm a firm believer that there is some kind of higher powers, karma, something, because it really is amazing how if you leave yourself open to taking different directions and going with the flow, like you wind up places that are better and different than anything you could have ever planned for yourself. And when you look back on where, where you came from, a lot of it is growth from rejection. So I don't, I don't worry about rejection anymore. It just means it's leading to something better. That's great. Thank you for sharing it. And that definitely is true in the business world. And I want to transition to talk about your company's Sage Spoonfuls. So talk to us a little bit. You know, I love chatting with entrepreneurs because most of them had some event in their lives or some moment in their life where they got this idea for their business. So tell us more about your story and the inspiration behind your company. 
So the inspiration for Sage Spoonfuls came after my son Royce was born, who's now 13. I was still working on passions, but I had my first child and um, I knew I wanted to make his baby food. And look, this was 13 years ago. I mean, there was still BPA and phthalates and the plastic. I mean, the organic movement was just barely getting started. So there was no, there, there were no products on the market to make this easy. And I just kind of, because I would be at work at 6.30, 6.45 in the morning and often often not get home until after he went to bed. So I just, I knew that I really, really, really wanted him to be having food lovingly prepared by me. It just, it was better for him. It made me feel good. And I remember thinking, gosh, why is there nothing out there? But I was working, had no time or you know, ability to, um, to start a whole or desire at that point to start a different company. But then uh, about a year later, I got pregnant with Brendan and the passions, you know, got canceled after 10 years and we moved back to New York. And at that point I had every intention of going back to a different show, but then Brendan was born nine weeks premature and was in the NICU really fighting for his life uh, for six weeks. We almost lost him twice. And that was my game changer. And so to make a long story short, once he was home and stable, I decided, okay, this is, this is my pivotal moment. I'm going to make a huge career pivot. Uh, and I want to f- focus on this idea of starting um, a product line that made healthy, easy for busy parents. And Sage Spoonfuls was one of the pioneers in the homemade baby food product movement. There was, there was really nothing out there when we launched in 2011. Thank you for sharing that. And I know being an entrepreneur myself that the entrepreneurial road is one that is, it's really an interesting experience and that characterization doesn't do it justice, but there are so many emotions that you can feel in a week or even a day as the day goes on and no entrepreneur's story is without struggle or obstacles. Can you tell us about a time where you had a major obstacle or a setback and what you did to overcome it? Every day, right? Every single day is a problem and every single day is a roller coaster. I mean, you can wake up feeling amazing and like before lunch, you're feeling terrible and then you're circling back around to being like, oh my God, I'm great. I mean, there's a hundred things. It's a roller coaster ride and um, there's challenges constantly. I mean, look, my main challenge for me is that I've made the decision and here we are seven years in business. You know, we've been doing um, seven figures in revenue for five years in a row now. I'm still 100% owner and we don't even have any loans. I mean, I have kept this company funded in the most creative of ways. Uh, That's where this struggle really comes from. And and even just last week, like the company is taking huge, massive, massive leaps in growth, like not just 2X, we're talking about 5X orders um, coming from some of our largest retailers, basically overnight out of the blue. Um, and, and, And it's been kind of steady. And so I need to grow my inventory, but I don't have enough money. So this was last week. I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You don't want to lose this momentum. And I thought of a solution. You know, I thought of a solution and I got some purchase order financing from um, our factor and boom, done, you know, on we go. And we've got a a whole new, um, it's like the next level of what we're going to do. So for me, the biggest challenge over the seven years has been uh, once I made the decision to stay, to remain self-funded, knowing I was going to have to really put my thinking cap on and be resourceful and be resilient and, and think of all sorts of different ways to get this company funded. So that's my biggest challenge, but it's also 
the thing that I'm most proud of. I mean, we've had so many VCs uh, come to us, which has been incredible. I mean, amazing VCs. And I've had dozens of conversations over the years. And it just, something inside me has said, this is not right. This is not the right move. And I know my personality and I don't want to be told what to do at all. I would not thrive (laughs) in that environment at all. So I knew I needed to find and continue to need to find different ways to keep the cash flow coming so we can um, support this monster growth, you know, as the company takes these leaps. Well, I love that you share that you talk with these VCs and it just didn't feel right and that you stayed true to your gut, right? And you kept going. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to do that because they're like, oh, well, I, I have a problem and I need help or I need a solution. And so I think that's great that you've stayed kind of core to who you are and what your business should be. And you haven't just pursued external funding and you've gotten creative with how you can continue to keep the business going without that external funding. Is well, there- well I, not to cut you off, but I have received external funding, just not through a VC, right? So we've had like online, we've used online lenders, we've crushed credit cards, you know, we work with a factor, we now we're getting purchase order financing. So basically I've utilized everything but VC. And I just want to quickly say that not everyone can get away without really needing angel funding or VC. I mean, if you're trying to start a co-working space or a restaurant or somewhere where you need real estate or a big team right off the bat, I mean, you you kind of really need that. For a product-based company, you it's a little bit easier, you know, because you can grow at your own pace. Um, There are certain companies where you can remain owner, where you can be creative, and there are other companies that you want to start that you need tremendous funding to launch right off the bat. So, you know, because Sage Spoonfuls is a product-based company, that's one of the, the reasons I've been able to run it the way I have. Sure. Thank you for that and you know as you're building out your business it, there as you mentioned it's a roller coaster and it's it's important to have people in your network in your corner on your team that keep you going that keep you motivated that keep you supported was there any one person that really helped you to keep pushing through those tough moments with your business 100% my husband there has been no one who has believed in me more than this man uh from day 1 not only has he been a um, a mentor. Cause again, I was a soap star. I did not have any business experience. And he, you know, he said, look, you are very smart. You're resourceful. You're resilient. You learn very quickly. and I'm going to help guide you. So not only was he a mentor and a guide, you know, but also, you know, my soft place to fall, but also helped me a lot in the early stages when we were taking those first leaps of growth and I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I mean, this man drained his 401k twice for me. I mean, he, he's just been my biggest supporter from, from day one in all aspects. And I'm so grateful to have him on my, on my side. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And um, he just seems like an amazing person. Um, Is there any advice that you would give anyone who is an early stage entrepreneur, something that you wish you knew when you first started out? So as you know, I mean, there are a million and one mistakes that we make and they're important because it's how we learn. I also believe that there are mistakes that we have to make on our own, but there are also mistakes we don't have to learn the hard way. I think it's important, really, really important to build a network of people doing something similar to you that you can learn from. 
a super quick story about something that I wish I would have known that was a mistake I, I, I didn't necessarily <laughs> need to make the hard way, but I certainly did. I mean, when we were um, just five months uh, from launch, we from launching the product line, we were we were about to to do a nationwide test in Bye Bye Baby, and I had spent twenty five thousand dollars on a complete suite of retail packaging with only my eyeballs on it and my designer's eyeballs on it. We loved it, but we never did a focus group. We never um, just you know brought samples to the retailers to see what they thought. And I'll never forget this. And my um, my buyer and I at Bye Bye Baby, we laugh about this to this day. We had a two-hour meeting um, at Bye Bye Baby. We we went through all the, you know, all the kind of scary terms of business, you know, uh, of working with a big box retailer. And at the end of the meeting, she said, "Liza, I love you. I love the product. I hate your packaging." I started to cry. I cried right there in my Bye Bye Baby meeting. I was crying. I mean. It was like, <laughs> literal, like ugly crying. And it was, I mean, we laugh, you know, cause look, just be who you are. If you want to cry, just cry. But it was hilarious. Cause I, I didn't really have much money left. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because now I have to like redesign a whole suite of packaging and pay for it. Where's this money going to come from? And we just figured it out. I, we just figured it out and we, we wound up using the old boxes uh, for our online sales. But that's, that's a piece of advice. If you've got a, if you've got a, um, something that's going to go out into stores, uh, packaging, so, you know, uh, graphic design, something, something that's going to be expensive, like definitely have some eyeballs on it before you pull the trigger, <laughs> for sure. No, that's definitely a great piece of advice. And I appreciate you sharing that story with us. So there's one other thing I want to talk about, about Sage Spoonfuls, and then I want to switch to a different topic. But on your website, you've got a whole bunch of different recipes for you know, children under a year old, but there's also smoothie recipes, family recipes, and more. And so I personally really like looking at the yummy yogurt pancakes. <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. <laughs> and the watermelon popsicle recipe, although it's kind of cold right now um, since we're in winter, but uh, uh, I think when it gets to be spring, maybe I'll be making some, some popsicles. Um, but I also like the black bean brownie. That one sounded really interesting to me. So that's one that I'm definitely going to have to to try out. And so I want to ask you, share with our listeners one or two recipes that you really like. So you mentioned the, uh, look, I love anywhere where you can hide something that's, you know, healthy in a, in a suite or something like that. Like the black bean brownies are amazing. You would be like, you need to make them, Jen. You'd be so surprised. There is a tremendous amount of black beans that go in there, but you can't taste it at all. All it does is give the brownies like this very gooey, almost like it's like half fudgy, half brownie like consistency. It's amazing. I love putting broccoli in um, uh, spaghetti sauce and just taking our immersion blender and like blending it right into the sauce. No one has any idea, but there it is. Up on the website for stage three, we've got this amazing avocado-based chocolate pudding. Again, you'd have no idea. You know, I just, I love how creative you can be with food. And if you have a picky eater, which so many of us do, including me, it really... Um, kind of makes you think. I mean, spinach, my gosh, you can put for baby food, you can mix spinach into banana, you know, and, and you, you can't even taste it. Um, my, my youngest Mason, who's now seven is so, so picky. And he's definitely um, pushed me to the, the edges of my creative abilities. Um, but you mentioned the watermelon popsicles, Th these things like if you were to look at 
like store-bought popsicles and the, the ingredients. It's so full of chemicals, but yet all you need is one thing, watermelon and a blender and just blend it up and freeze it in a container and just call it a day. Like you, you don't need, you know, to have all those preservatives and for adults, you know, you can pour a little vodka or a little tequila in there and it's, it's, it's fun for a party. I tell you. That's great. (laughs) You've definitely got some great recipes that I am definitely going to try out. And I would highly encourage all of you listening to go to sagespoonfuls.com and check out all the recipes and the great products that they have available. Thank you. So, and we'll have the website in the show notes too, so you can get it there. But again, sagespoonfills.com. Now I want to switch gears and talk about another subject that I've really been looking forward to talking to you today about, and I appreciate you being willing to discuss this on the show. You know, it's easy for us to talk about business successes and also business challenges because they're business stuff, but sometimes it's harder for people to talk about things that are more on a personal level and being vulnerable and really getting comfortable sharing those other elements of our lives. So I would love for you just to talk a little bit about your son, Brendan, and tell us more about his story. Sure. So Brendan, who is the one I mentioned earlier, who was born nine weeks premature, Brendan has cerebral palsy. He has, he has mild cerebral palsy. Um, he was born with, I mean, cerebral palsy is, um, there's kind of five different categories. Number one being uh, super mild, where you really wouldn't even notice, to level five, where your body is basically like stainless steel and you're wheelchair bound. Brendan was born, and actually most kids who, the overwhelming majority of kids with CP uh, are not diagnosed till they're around two years old because they're born around the two to three level, you know, where maybe the body's a little tight at birth, but it's not so severe that you really know right off the bat. And that's where Brendan was. Somewhere along the line, he lost oxygen. And I don't know if it was in utero. We had a very traumatic birth. We had a a cult placental abruption, which is everything was fine until it wasn't, right? He, the um, placenta ripped away from the wall. I think it happened because we had a short umbilical cord and I remember he did not turn at all. And right as I was seven months pregnant, he turned. It was excruciatingly painful. And then he was born within 48 hours. So we kind of think that's maybe what happened. But, um, you know, so Brendan has cerebral palsy. And he wasn't diagnosed until uh, he was 19 or 20 months old. I mean, he wasn't, as a baby, he wasn't really meeting milestones. And at first they thought, it was interesting, the morphology of his red blood cells was off when he was really a new baby. And they thought maybe he had this rare red blood cell disease. And it, okay. And then it was not that. And, and then, you know, the morphology like fixed itself and all of a sudden the red blood cells looked the way they were supposed to. So that was great. Then all of a sudden they, they thought he didn't have a gallbladder. And for whatever reason, it took us like three hours in the hospital hospital with like sonograms and everything to find the gallbladder. It eventually was there. Then they thought maybe he had, you know, autism, um, you know, and cerebral palsy didn't even come into play until he was 20 months old. I mean, and I don't know why, like at 10 months old, he still couldn't sit up. He wasn't floppy. He was very rigid. So I would sit him up, but then he would just like topple over almost like a wooden soldier. And I was like, huh, having a, you know, a son who was older and having kind of gone through these milestones, I mean, 
I knew we were a little off. And then by 19 months, he still couldn't stand on his own. It was almost like his legs were rubber bands. So you could, he would stand up and then just fall right down and stand up and fall right down. And so it was at that point where we brought in physical therapists and, you know, he was um, getting physical therapy and everything. And I took him to a neurologist on um, Long Island and I mean, he was 19 months old and he couldn't even stand. And this, this, this doctor said, uh, and she came highly recommended. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. He's just late. One day, you know, you'll look around and he'll be walking across the room. And I thought to myself, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. He's not 14 months old. He is 19 months old and he can't even stand. So I said, well, what would you do if this was your child? And she said, oh, I'd wait till he's two and get an MRI. And I said, well, uh, well, I appreciate that, but I don't want to wait. So please write me a prescription for an MRI. And we went and got an MRI and she called me and she said, you know, he's got periventricular leukomalacia. And I said, what in the heck is that? And I really didn't get a good feeling from this doctor, you know, and I wanted a second opinion. So we went to, into New York city to Weill Cornell and um, we met with the incredible Dr. Murray Engel and uh, you know, right off the bat, you know, he, he thought it was cerebral palsy because periventricular leukomalacia is damage to the brain and the white matter of the brain. And when you have periventricular leukomalacia, that is a real clear indicator of cerebral palsy. So that really, I, I was really glad to get that second opinion. And then, um, so then we knew what it was. And then we went to see Dr. Leon Root, who is one of the pioneers of treating children with cerebral palsy. And Dr. Root passed away still practicing one of the most sharpest, smartest minds I've ever seen. He was still practicing uh, at 89 years old. Man was amazing. And we got him into therapy and uh, he was walking and running, but it definitely, you know, you could tell he had CP. He didn't take his first steps until he was two. And I just remember just crying. I couldn't believe it. He didn't jump until he was six he only just now learned to ride a bike. I mean, they're really, I thought that, okay, he's mild. And this is, we're so blessed that it's mild to moderate and he can walk and he can run. And granted it's, he's got a swagger, so to speak, but he'll be fine. And when I decided to share my story about Brendan on the national platform, really to raise awareness about it because cerebral palsy, you know, you don't hear many people advocating for it. It's certainly not in the national spotlight. And I thought, you know, um, I, I want Brendan to know how proud we are of him. I don't want him to feel bad in any way about having CP. And I want to use our platform to bring some awareness. And when I did that, when he was seven, um, six and a half or seven, it was like a gift was given to me. I had hundreds of people reach out to me and say, have you heard of Dr. Park at the St. Louis Children's um, Hospital? And I said, you know, have you heard of a selective dorsal rhizotomy? They said, and I said, I, I have, and I had, I had heard about Dr. Park when Brendan was three, but the surgery is very, very intense, the selective dorsal rhizotomy. I mean, they take the vertebrae, the top of the vertebrae, like off of the spine, pull out the internal nerves of the spinal cord, you know, figure out which are the nerves that are over firing, causing the spasticity, and they start to kind of clip them. So I thought, gosh, that sounds really intense and so much I think could go wrong. But then, you know, four years later with hundreds of people saying it was grandparents and parents, Dr. Park, Dr. Park, Dr. Park, I said, well, I would be 
a fool not to at least have a consultation. So we flew out um, to see Dr. Park and he's amazing. And here I was thinking, I just want this kid to be able to tie his own shoes and ride a bike. But Dr. Park was, was thinking more about Brendan as a man. He said, Liza, while cerebral palsy is not degenerative, more than likely he's going to wind up in a wheelchair anyway, because of what living with that level of spasticity does to your body. He said, I cannot tell you how many 30 and 40 year olds I'm doing selective dorsal rhizotomies on, they were as mild as Brendan. But over the years, you know, their hips get out of line and their feet and their knees and their joints, and now they can't run after their children. And I thought, wow, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. So to finish the story, we a month later, we got the selective, selective dorsal rhizotomy. And I'm so glad we did because it removed 100% of his spasticity, uh, left him very weak. He had to learn how to rewalk. And he's still weak, but getting stronger all the time. And he is just doing things that I never thought he'd be able to do. He can jump off a diving board into the deep end and swim and have the strength enough in his legs to swim up to the top. He can ride a bike. I mean, granted, he was he's 11. He learned last summer. I mean, doesn't matter. I said to him, I said, Brendan, it doesn't matter. You're doing it. You're doing it. So I'm so glad we got the surgery. And for anyone listening whose child has cerebral palsy, I highly, highly recommend looking and investigating uh, Dr. T.S. Park uh, and his partner, Dr. Matthew Dobbs, who's an orthopedic surgeon uh, at St. Louis Children's Hospital. There's nobody better. There's nobody better. And it's life changing. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. And um, I was surprised to learn that one in 323 children, I know it was like one in 500 five years ago. And so um, one in 323 children today in the US have been diagnosed with CP. And so to those listening, either you may have a child or you know somebody that has a child with CP. So, you know, look up, look up Dr. Park. It's far, yes, it is far, far more prevalent than anyone would imagine. And, and quickly, I, um, when I, we were in Dr. Dobbs, uh, office, you know, we fly out there once, um, once a year for a checkup and we were kind of waiting in the waiting room. Um, and a woman came over to me and she said, are you Liza? And I said, I am. And she said, this is my daughter. And her daughter is three. And she said, I'm here because of you. And, you know, we just started to cry and hug and her daughter wound up getting the selective dorsal rhizotomy, you know, because she had watched, you know, I don't know my, you know, I don't know whether it was the Dr. Oz episode or postings on Instagram or what have you. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it's, it's a life-changing surgery if your child is a candidate because um, it's not for everyone, um, but it's for a lot of people with CP. Uh, Brendan has one more surgery ahead of him uh, who Dr. Dr. Dobbs is going to perform in the end of June. He needs to have his feet rebuilt, which is pretty big deal. A lot Most people with CP have flat feet and your arches develop from the time you're like seven years old, 10 years old. And he always had a teeny, teeny little arch. But then once he turned 11, it was like, like, if you look at the arch of your foot, the top of the arch is far from the floor. But when Brendan walks, his arches are actually like splayed out on the floor, like a pancake, and his ankles are not even correctly aligned on his feet anymore. So he needs to have his feet completely rebuilt. I mean, it involves like cadaver tendon and like breaking bone. It's just, it's crazy, but he's so brave and, you know, we'll get through it because we didn't come this far only to come this far. Right. So we're going to, we're going to finish it up. And Brendan is 
so brave and I'm so proud of him. That's an amazing story. And he is definitely a superstar himself. So um, he's definitely been through a lot at a very young age and very, very courageous young, young man. So thank you for sharing that story. And one thing that I think is great about you sharing about how this woman you had met at the doctor's office had seen your story and had gone to doctor's park office because of you. I think something for all of us to take away from this is we all have pieces in our story that we may not be comfortable sharing with other people, but you never know what pieces can help impact and help somebody else. So for those of you that have been thinking about, for example, posting on social media more about who you are and what you've been going through, you could help somebody else as well as build your own community from doing that. So I I highly encourage you. It's so true because um, when you have that kind of situation, I mean, all you want is someone else to talk to and maybe like someone who has a child in your exact situation who's maybe five years ahead of you. Um, I want to quickly say that a selective dorsal rhizotomy is a extremely major, massive surgery. And there are other doctors and surgeons who do it, but I do not, because we are talking about it. I'm talking about how it changed his life and and it does, but I do not recommend anyone other than Dr. Park doing the surgery because you can hear there are other doctors who do it, but they don't do it as well. And they take off, they do it a different way. So I'm recommending the surgery only Dr. Park, like, please go see Dr. Park. And um, if you can, uh, and he's the one. Great. Well, thank you again for sharing the story and recommending Dr. Park. So what I want to do is I want to switch gears to my two minute drill, which is like my speed round set of questions. And it's just seven questions, uh, one right after the other. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay. Here we go. First one is, what's your favorite food? Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Any particular cheese? Anything. Anything cheese. You know, nothing too stinky, but like just melty, gooey cheese all day. Love it. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. And you sent this to me. Like, I love, like, because my kids are still little, like, Anything Winnie the Pooh, it just like warms my heart. And I just, I love Winnie the Pooh. Like the old, like classic Winnie the Pooh movies. I could watch them all day. Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. Who's your favorite sports team? The Patriots. Okay, good. Good as a football team. So I like it. Uh, What's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? So I worked, I've worked with Craig Ballantyne quite a bit. And I love what he has told me. He said, Liza, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. So he's saying, don't wait for it to be perfect. Just go out and do it. Do it. Get started. Do it because it's never going to be perfect. And if you wait until it's magically perfect, there's going to be 10 people behind you who are going to be, you know, ahead of you. So imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Yep. I love that. Thank you. Now, what's the best piece of advice that you would give somebody? Just do it. Just start because, because uh, you never have enough money. You never have enough experience. There's never enough time. There's never a right moment. And before you know it, you're going to be 80. Just start, you know, just start that. Don't wait. Great piece of advice. Just like Nike, right? Just do it. Just do it. Just start. Just start. Just start. Great. Next question is what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Something that most people don't know about me is that I like in another lifetime would love to be a forensic scientist for sure. That's like my second dream career. 
That's great. I, I love forensic science. I used to watch forensic files and all the discovery channel shows, not like the CSI, the, the, like the real documentary shows. No, I like the true crime. Like the, yes. the true crime. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think had I not grown up in a house where acting was kind of the family business, I think my natural draw, I probably would have become a forensic scientist. Although I absolutely like live for manufacturing and being an entrepreneur, but definitely in another lifetime, um, for I would have been a forensic scientist for sure. Gotcha. Okay. The last question, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? So, you know, whenever some, I don't know, like, I don't know. I, I, I just wish I could sing. I just would want to sing, you know, <laughs> just like, I like it, it whenever anyone asks me, like, what do you wish you could do that you can't do? Like, I just wish I could sing. I would be a singing superhero. I, I cannot sing. There's nothing I can do to change it. And that makes me crazy. I used to try and sing to my kids as when they were little and they used to tell me, mom, please stop. Like <laughs> it would be, I would be like a singing superhero that just calmed everyone down with my beautiful voice. <laughs> so that's what it would be. Great. I, I like that. So tell everyone, how can they follow you? How can they connect with you? How can they keep up with what you're doing? Sure. Well, you can follow, you can follow me on Instagram at Liza Huber, which is L-I-Z-A-H-U-B-E-R. And then you can follow us at Sage Spoonfuls on Instagram as well. Um, and if you're interested, I also do coaching and mentoring for female entrepreneurs. And the link to my email is uh, on my Instagram um, at Liza Huber. Because I'm so passionate about helping women. I mean, there were so many women who've helped me get where I am today. And uh, I just love, I'm so passionate about helping other female entrepreneurs move ahead. That's great. And we will put all of those links in the show notes too. So uh, please be sure to keep apprised of what Liza is doing. Liza, any last words for our listeners? I think so much of what holds us back is fear. And I think it's really important, like fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, fear of not knowing what to do, fear of something going wrong. And I think that if you can get a hold or get a handle on your relationship to fear and do it scared if you need to, like just don't let fear hold you back, whether it's personally or professionally, don't let fear hold you back. Life is too short and you're too talented. Great message. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show, Liza. I really enjoyed talking with you today. Me too, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. Again, hit that like button, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. We will catch you next time on the next episode. And until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and that you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.